My name is Rachel Engstrom. I'm 39. I live in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Um, I'm author of Wife, Widow, Now What? I have been here for 21 years as of this August. I moved here from my smallish town in Michigan to the Minneapolis um, area. I lived in the dorms while I went to the University of Minnesota and moved here for the anthropology program and totally did not plan on meeting someone um, six years older than me when I was 19. My second year of college first semester. I met this guy. He was tall, cute, nice, wonderful. Um, By the time I was, uh, so I met him at 19. He was about to be 26. And by the time I was 22, um, we had planned our wedding. I graduated, got my first job. Then we got married and he worked nights. I never really got to see him Monday through Friday. Um, But on the weekends, we were just like so excited and geeked to see each other. And it was a very joyous times. Um, We were kind of like ships in the night passing. I didn't know until much later, many, many years later, how much of a blessing it was to have him as a constant in my life while also figuring out who I was in my 20s, who I was, what, you know, with jobs, friends, concerts, things like that, but still having this um, consistent relationship in my life, this security, this love of my life, my best friend. And when I was 28 and he was 35, one day I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I went in our kitchen and saw him sitting on the floor. He had been working tons of overtime at work and he was so tired. He got home at like 1.30 in the morning. He was supposed to work three to 11, but he'd been working all these extra hours and he was so tired. He couldn't even wait for the microwave for 90 seconds. Um, The next day he went to a primary care physician. They thought he was anemic. Um, So then when he had blood transfusions, we were there for several hours, and as we were about to leave the next day, they said, nope, wait, we actually uh, need to talk to you for a minute. So they sent us to the Humphrey Center down the road from the hospital where we were. What they didn't tell us was it was the Humphrey Cancer Center. He was misdiagnosed with a kind of a rare blood disorder that would have been very treatable, something that just would have been about three months treatment, and then he'd be back to normal life. However, when we got home that evening, we got a phone call from the doctor he'd just seen that said, you know, no, you actually don't have um, this blood disorder. You know, we need you to come in and get a bone marrow biopsy tomorrow. And bone marrow biopsy to me was, you know, leukemia, myelomas, lymphomas, different things like that. So I was just thinking, don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out. Um, he was crying and we hugged and he was just so tired of being tired and not feeling well. And the next day he had a bone marrow biopsy and I just knew in that instant that he had cancer. Um, it was a Friday. They told us that we would find out the following Monday and thank God they called on Saturday and they confirmed, yes, he did have leukemia. Um, although we didn't want to know, it was just wonderful to at least figured out, know what it is when we were in that clinic, the Humphrey Center, as we were leaving, he raised raised his arms in the air and said, at least it's not the big C. Well, a couple days later, we found out it was. So at 28, I had to figure out how to work full time, 
run back and forth, letting the dog out and then running back to the hospital, um, every day after work. It was just so much, so tiring. I had to figure out how to really, as people say these days, this was back in 2011, adult, adult in the ways of, I had to call his employer. I had to call disability. I had to call insurance. I had to figure out, you know, the first thing is, oh my gosh, I don't want them to die. I don't want them to die. I don't want them to die. But then you have to figure out your work, finances, treatment, diagnosis, and, you know, unemployment um, type stuff. You know, if he's not going to work, what do we do? Disability, social security. Um, All of a sudden you have to have money for parking passes and all these different things. So I spent hours and hours and hours when I was just running ragged at home. After five weeks, he came home. He was in remission. Uh, My parents came and lived with us 18 out of the 27 months that he was sick. Thank God. And I was like, I'm 28. I don't want my dad to, you know, fold my underwear and my mom to go through my stuff. But it ended up just being a really incredible experience for them to be with us and be one of his um, caregivers. And that's an ultimate relationship that now that he's gone, that's just a bond, a tight, tight bond my mom and dad and I have. Um, so I figured things by the, just flying by the seat of my pants, trial and error. Um, I did self-care things, you know, I had to figure out how to ask people for help, what to do. I did a caring bridge blog. If you don't know what that is, caring bridge is the website where you can go on there. You can do your healthcare journey instead of people texting or emailing or calling you and kind of bugging you, Snapchat, message, whatever it would be these days, um, they can sign up for your blog newsletter. And when you do a new post, they get in their email box. So Wife Widow Now What is a collection of my CaringBridge post and Facebook posts. My late husband's name was Grayson. So all in chronological order. And then as I am figuring out all of those things I talked about, the logistics, As I'm going through it, I tell you my love story, what's going on in real time, but I actually have these posts in real time as they're happening. And when I'm doing insurance, I'm explaining how all of it works. So this is a first of its kind toolbox that's a navigational um, helper as well as a love story. I've been told it's a love story toolbox. Um, So he got a lot better. Um, In April of 2012, we were able to go to Las Vegas for the Young Cancer Stupid Um, or Stupid Cancer, um, Young Survivors Cancer Conference. And then in August of that year, after I'd gone to a couple silent retreats, which I have some pretty funny stuff in my book, and I'm a pretty funny person and writer, which I think that why you'll enjoy Wife Widow Now What, um, we got a call and his cancer came back. And the only thing that would save his life then was a bone marrow transplant. So he had months and months and months that fall and winter of chemo to try to knock it out. It took forever to work. And then ultimately in January of 2013, he had a bone marrow transplant from stem cells after five days before that I had had a surgery because I'd been dealing with endometriosis and ovarian cyst ruptures and all my own kind of crap Um, it was just so much, so much going on, but we somehow made it through and just having, knowing, you know, I needed someone to talk to, you know, friends, sister, whoever it was just reaching out, you know, in my book, I have a whole playlist of the music, a lot of the songs I listened to each of those years. 
Um, but I just found joy in the small things, the TV shows, the giggling, holding hands, doing what we could, just finding the joy when I could. And then, um, ultimately after being in the ICU twice, I was told on April 17th, I'm sorry. Um, his lungs, his kidneys, his bladder, um, all just were failing. Um, so, April 17th, I was told I'm sorry by all the doctors. April 19th, I turned 31. And April 21st, I took him off life support. Um, Held him, waited for his heart to stop while I played a heaven playlist for him. And then I'm a widow. I'm 31 and I'm a widow. And now what? So the second half of my book is me navigating, quote unquote, widow logistics. How I did all of it. How I managed to throw together, you know, three part-time jobs to keep my house that I thought that I would fill with love and marriage and children. And six months after he died, I had a hysterectomy because my pelvic pain and ovarian pain was so bad. I could barely walk. So there's a whole nother loss of not being able to have children. And so I'm selling on eBay and Amazon and doing everything I can. And while I'm struggling through these years, I'm also exposing myself to positive TV shows and movies and music and things and just belly laughing and realizing that, you know what, some of this stuff is just really awful, but I can still laugh. I can still be joyful and I can be grateful for what I have. And I've been on many, many podcasts to share my story in this book resource. And I am very cognizant of the fact that there are, you know, really complicated forms of grief and things that people go through where someone dies and they didn't have a great relationship or those things. So I never take that for granted. I was very loved. I loved very much. And I used that for as much positivity and joy as I could. There were days where it was so ugly. I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't shower. I didn't eat. All I did was sleep and take care of my cats and my dog. But More and more awful stuff just kept happening, but I just kept dealing with it and knowing somehow God was going to get me through and I had my faith in that. And really, you can choose to be bitter or better. And I chose to be better. There were some really bitter days. I do have a book called, or a chapter, excuse me, called Bitter Betty. But I just, I did the best that I could. And now where I am in life, um, it's eight years later, I am married again to someone who fully accepts they didn't marry someone with an ex, they married someone with a late spouse. Um, It took me years to write this book because it was a labor of love and PTSD. And every time I edited it, I distanced myself farther and farther away just in a natural process. And I can't believe I got from A to Z, you know, licking the bottom of the barrel, being so sad, so depressed, my life being blown up to back to A again. And I'm really okay. And You know, I recently, with some friends that backed me, um, raised $51,000 for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society so I could get a grant in my late husband's name. I try to share an example of, you know, how back in the old old school days in like the Klondike, Yukon times in Alaska, people would go out in the middle of nowhere and pan for gold um, to try to strike it rich. It doesn't make it any easier, any better, or more fair. But right now, what you're going through, if you're going through something difficult or you have or you will go through something difficult, more than likely you're getting nuggets of gold that you probably won't understand for quite some time. But whether these experiences, no matter how awful they are, lead you to have a new career 
or something you're going to volunteer or just being able to say to somebody, I get it. I've been there. That is more valuable than anything that we have in life. Human connection and being able to tell somebody you authentically get it is just incredible. And I just want to share that there's so much joy in that and that things really can be okay. I went from being a childless widow to an advocate who has endless energy. Um, Like I said, I'm doing the podcast. I do blog things that I write examples and um, analogies of, you know, being thrown into a river with a kayak with no life jacket or paddle or backpack or water or anything. And you gather it through your different resources and different things that you do because life really can be beautiful. It can be joyful, even with the pain. It does take time. It does take lots of falling on your face, but you know, those things really are possible. And I am here to say that, um, by sharing my story, I just learned more about myself and how, you know, I initially wrote this book, Wife Widow Now What? How I Navigated the World of Cancer and How You Can Too. I wrote it for cancer spouses, from a cancer spouse to cancer spouses or significant others. And it's applicable to any catastrophic illness, COVID, whatever's going on. It's so hard to go through different things and be so overwhelmed. And this is your guide to be able to help walk you through it, especially when you're just in a fog and you can't get through things. I could talk about birthdays, anniversaries, adapting life after loss, all these types of things that I so, so wish I would have had something like that when I was going through it. So I am just pumped to get this out. And my biggest dream is to have Wife Widow Now What in practice, where all the things I discuss in the book, I can go to the hospital or someone's home and help them fill out information. I can go through your home. You can hire me. I will go through your home and, you know, donate, sort, box up, whatever you have, help you clean out your house, paperwork, whatever it is. I love doing stuff like that. Um, I've done my parents' house recently. Twice a year, I do. I drive 10 hours to their house in Michigan to go through their house of 42 years as they're paring down and older. But I really love helping people. I have the emotional experience of knowing how difficult it is through tough times and knowing the attachment to things and the attachment to the things that were with the people. And that's my dream to get out there and help people. But just the biggest thing is to let people know that you are not alone and that things really truly can get better. Thank you. We all have a story to share and a voice that is meant to be heard. And we want to share yours. For more information and to get involved, visit storiesofinspiringjoy.com. Stories of Inspiring Joy is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created by Sydney Weiss. You can find all episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like the show, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're creating greater connection and community, one powerful story at a time. 